choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Can I feel out? Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you're listening to episode 260 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 13, Command Module Pilot Jack Swigert. John L. Jack Swigert, Jr. A man of determination and intellectual acumen who returned to school at the age of 31 to attain a master's degree in aerospace science so he would be accepted as a NASA astronaut, a position he had previously been refused. A man of high spirit and joie de vivre, who as a high school student was often chided by Father Steve Krieger for driving his hot rod too fast through the Regis High School and University campus. A man of great patriotism, loyalty, and devotion who served our nation as an Air Force pilot in Korea and as executive director of the Committee on Science and Technology of the United States House of Representatives. A man filled with love and compassion for the citizens of Colorado, whom he sought to serve as our representative in Congress. A man of heroism and of service who is an inspiration and a role model for all in our state and nation. John Leonard Swigert, Jr., also known as Jack Swigert, was born on August 30, 1931 in Denver, Colorado, to parents John Leonard, Sr. and Virginia Swigert. Swigert's father was an ophthalmologist, and he pressed young Jack to become a doctor. But according to his mother, Virginia, Jack just didn't want to be a doctor, adding that he was interested in mechanical things and would rather tinker with an old car than anything else. At the age of 14, Jack became fascinated by aviation. At first, he was content just watching the planes take off from nearby Combs Field, but later he became determined to do more than be a spectator. He wanted to take flying lessons. His father agreed to pay half the cost, and Jack worked in a neighborhood grocery and delivered newspapers to make up the difference. He was 16 when he got his pilot's license. Jack attended Blessed Sacrament School, Regis Jesuit High School, and East Denver High School, from which he graduated in 1949. At East Denver High School, he played varsity football, and he drove around town in a hot rod and on a motorcycle. Swigert continued his education at the University of Colorado and received a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering in 1953. 
where he also played football for the Buffaloes. Here's a clip of sportscaster Tom Brookshire commenting on his college days playing football with Jack. Well, those of you that uh, have watched me know that I used to say things once in a while when the open mic was like a loaded gun. And I am really scared. Uh, this is, uh, I, I feel very humble in the uh, presence of these people that are honoring uh, uh, Jack Swagger. We called him Archie back at school. And the astronauts understand this. He had uh, the flattest feet. How he ever got past all the Air Force physicals, doctor, we don't know. And uh, yet he played on the football team uh, all four years, and we were playing the Oklahomas and Nebraskas back then. And uh, at the end of a game, you would go over to some All-American from Oklahoma, and he would look at Jack, who didn't weigh 190 pounds when he played, and they would just be shaking their head. He would tie their shoestrings together and things like that. And he always was good. And as a football player at Colorado, he was an overachiever. But where his real heart was, was in flying. And that's what he always wanted to do. Uh, there, was, there were some people that tried to act like Jack was a drinker. I mean, this has been, I mean, you know how it is these days anyway. And uh, uh, Jack used to, when we were roommates, uh, we would be having a, a seminar at the local Coors testing plant. <laughs> And most of the football team, they always showed up for those kind of things. And uh, Jack always showed up, but Jack didn't drink. And then we would go back, and I would fall into my bed worrying about Nebraska the next week, and Jack would do quadratic equations till 3 or 4 in the morning. It's truth. Two degrees in three and a half years. And that's what his passion was, was flying. Uh, Barbara, my wife, as a sportscaster, we always want to tell people we're with our wives these days, and my beautiful, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Barbara, would you stand up, please? Please stand up. And uh, well, you never know. <laughs> but uh, at our uh, wedding, uh, uh, which uh, we we didn't have any money, and we borrowed. Uh, uh, Barbara's mother's a big Buick convertible. It looked like the USS Missouri, and, and we were sort of trying to get to Denver as fast as we could, a romantic young couple, and, and Swagger uh, sort of followed us, he tailgated us halfway there at high speeds, and uh, afterward, uh, we got into the place, the car was heated up, and, and Swagger was an engineer. He had put Lindberger cheese into the parts of the engine that I could never find. And uh, when Barbara's mother got rid of that car uh, very quickly, uh, <laughs> we never could find it. He really knew what he was doing. Uh, uh, I ran into him several times uh, later, and my, my one, uh, oh boy, it kills me that I did not help Jack Moore in his first campaign when he ran for Congress. And I was on the East Coast, and, and I saw him before he ran the second time, and we were at a charity event in Ohio, and he said, uh, do you think I'll be a good congressman? And I said, well, do you think you can win? He said, I'm going to win this time. And he said, do you think I'm going to be? I said, you'll be real good. You don't compromise very well, but you're really going to be a heck of a congressman. 
And that's my only thing is uh, he told me later that day, uh, uh, I've got a little polyp in my nose. I'm going to go have it checked out. And uh, because of that, uh, we have been robbed. Following his graduation from the University of Colorado in 1953, Swigert joined the United States Air Force, and upon graduation from pilot training and gunnery school at Nellis Air Force Base, he was assigned as a fighter pilot in Japan and Korea. In Korea, he experienced his first narrow escape from death. According to the New York Times, his plane crashed into a radar unit on a Korean airstrip and burst into flames. But Jack walked away from the accident with only minor injuries. Here's Jack's father, John L. Swigert Sr., commenting on some of his son's close calls. Had you ever talked to your son about uh, something happening during his flying years? Well, of course, yes. He's had uh, several, well, I suppose they're narrow escapes. He's had to hit the barrier twice there where his brakes would fail. And uh, once I remember when he was flying there, they had a uh, uh, failure there of the oil system. They lost their oil and, and pressure, and they couldn't let down the undercarriage, and they used uh, every bit of fluid they had and finally got it down enough to get down. So. Uh, and then when he was uh, working with the North American and developing this wing to land the spacecraft on the ground, I know that he was in some very definite, narrow, tight spots then. Did he ever give you any advice about how to uh, take situations like this? No, I think he left that up to us. I think he thought we were intelligent enough to handle it. And of course, he always used to tell his mother that he would never uh, call her when he got someplace because if it were bad news there get to her After completing his tour of active duty in the Air Force, Swigert served as a jet fighter pilot with the Massachusetts Air National Guard from 1957 to 1960 and with the Connecticut Air National Guard from 1960 to 1965. From 1957 to 64, he served as an engineering test pilot for Pratt & Whitney after that, Swigert held a position as engineering test pilot for North American Aviation before joining NASA. During this time, he logged over 7,200 hours in flight, with more than 5,725 in jet aircraft. Swigert later earned a Master of Science degree in aerospace engineering from the Rensselaer Polytech Institute in 1965 and a Master of Business Administration degree from the University of Hartford in 1967. And he was presented an Honorary Doctorate of Science degree from American International College in 1970, and an Honorary Doctorate of Law degree from Western State University in 1970, and an Honorary Doctorate of Science from Western Michigan University in 1970. But Swigert really wanted to become an astronaut. He was unsuccessful when he applied for NASA's second and third astronaut groups, but Swigert was accepted into NASA Corps as part of the fifth astronaut group in April 1966. He became the first unmarried astronaut ever accepted into NASA. 
In early 1966, when image was so important, an unmarried astronaut was unthinkable. But as the nation's attitudes loosened up in the late 60s, so did NASA's. The tall, crew-cut Swigert had the reputation, good-naturally tolerated by NASA, of a rambunctious bachelor with an active social life. Whether this was true or not was unknown, but Swigert did what he could to perpetuate the image. His Houston apartment included a fur-covered recliner, a beer spigot in the kitchen, wine-making equipment, and a state-of-the-art stereo system. One of his sisters once said he had a girl in every airport from coast to coast. Jack used to say that he was not a confirmed bachelor, but it was just he had not met the right woman. NASA was willing to indulge all these less-than-upright distractions because Swigert was also a highly competent, fiercely confident pilot. While training at NASA, Swigert became a specialist on the Apollo Command Module. He was involved in writing the Command Module malfunction procedures. Here's Buzz Aldrin speaking about Swigert's role in the malfunction procedures. Not every opportunity ends in success. We had a marvelous opportunity on the mission that I was picked on. I was given the opportunity to closely watch Jack as he prepared the malfunction procedures and, and never have I seen such dedication to minute details of what to do when things go wrong. Jack deserved that flight and he deserved Jack Swigert was one of the few astronauts who requested to be command module pilots instead of landing on the moon. Of course, Swigert was one of the three astronauts aboard the Apollo 13 moon mission launched April 11, 1970. He was originally part of the backup crew for the mission, but a few days before launch, he took the place of Ken Mattingly on the prime crew. The prime crew had been exposed to German measles from Charlie Duke, and because Mattingly had no immunity to the disease, NASA did not want to risk his falling ill during critical phases of the flight. In contrast to the one-dimensional, insecure, resented member of the crew whose every move was scrutinized for error, on the popular movie Apollo 13, Swigert was not that person. When he was given the Apollo 13 assignment, he had flown for 24 of his 38 years and brought more than 7,000 flight hours to the mission. In addition to his military and test pilot experience, he was a member of the support crews for both Apollo 7 and 11. He held three college degrees, including a Master of Science in Aerospace. He was an Associate Fellow of the Society of Experimental Test Pilots and a member of the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics. Never before had a backup astronaut been thrust into a leading role on such short notice. Jack had trained devotedly for his understudy role on 13, and, after being shifted up to the prime crew, 
was put through a meat grinder of more rigorous drills. After numerous simulations, the astronauts and NASA were convinced that they could work together as efficiently as they had with Ken Mattingly. Here's what Jim Lovell had to say about Jack Swigert. I did not know Jack Swigert for most of his life, his college days, his time in the Air Force. In addition, I was not close to him in his campaign to successfully win a seat in Congress. Nevertheless, I did know him during a very intense period in our lives. With just four days' notice and having relinquished his final months of training to support the Prime crew, Jack Swiker stepped in without hesitation to replace Ken Manley on Apollo 13. Now, it is one thing to complete a space mission that follows the textbook, when things fall in place, but another when everything goes wrong, when survival depends on teamwork and initiative and imagination. Jack had those characteristics. Working closely with the dedicated team in mission control, he and his crewmates overcame failure. It was a moment in space history every American should be proud. Moreover, Jack was a man that every father would admire, that every commander would want on his team. Just 48 hours before liftoff, Swigert was certified fit to fly. Of course, Apollo 13, the third lunar landing attempt, was aborted after the rupture of an oxygen tank in the spacecraft's service module. Swigert was the astronaut who made the dramatic announcement, I believe we've had a problem here. The statement was confirmed by Lovell saying, Houston, we've had a problem. Swigert, along with fellow astronauts Lovell and Fred Hayes, returned safely to Earth on April 17th after about five days and 23 hours, and they received the Presidential Medal of Freedom the next day. After Apollo 13, Swigert was slated to be the command module pilot for the Apollo-Soyuz test project, but he was later removed from the crew rotation due to his very limited involvement in the Apollo 15 postage stamp incident. The Apollo 15 postage stamp incident occurred within the astronaut corps in 1971 through 72. The crew of Apollo 15 took 398 commemorative postage stamp covers with them on their trip to the moon, with the understanding that when they returned, 100 of the covers were to be sold to the German stamp dealer who provided them. Those 100 covers are known today by collectors as the Seeger covers, named such after the dealer, Hermann Seeger. The remaining 298 covers were to be kept by the crew members as souvenirs, but were later confiscated by NASA when the public sale of Seeger's covers was discovered soon after the mission. Although taking souvenirs into space was not illegal nor prohibited by NASA at the time, the discovery of Seeger's covers sale caused Congress to take notice and led to NASA 
taking disciplinary action against several Apollo astronauts, including Apollo 15 commander Dave Scott, who admitted to carrying the stamps. Jack Swigert was not on the Apollo 15 crew, so he was not involved in the incident directly. But investigators deemed him less than forthcoming when he was questioned, which was enough to get him removed from the crew for the Apollo-Soyuz test flight. In 1973, Swigert took a leave of absence from NASA and became the executive director of the U.S. House Committee on Science and Technology. He held the position until 1977 when he began campaigning for election to the Senate in 1978. He was defeated in the Republican primary by William L. Armstrong, a friend of his. In 1979, Swigert became vice president of BDM Corporation of Golden, Colorado, and in 1981, Swigert left BDM to join International Gold and Minerals Limited as Vice President for Financial and Corporate Affairs. In February of 1982, Swigert left International Gold and Minerals to run for U.S. Congress as a Republican. On November 2, 1982, Swigert easily won the seat in the state's new 6th Congressional District with 64% of the popular vote. But, in 1982, during his political campaign, Swigert developed a malignant tumor in his right nasal passage. He underwent surgery, but the cancer spread to his bone marrow and lungs. Seven weeks after the election, he was airlifted on December 19th from his home in Littleton to Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C., and died of respiratory failure at its Lombardi Cancer Center on December 27th, seven days before the beginning of his congressional term. He was 51. He is buried in Mount Olivet Cemetery in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. In 1997, a statue of Jack Swigert was placed on display in the United States Capitol building as one of two statues given by the state of Colorado to the National Statuary Hall Collection. At the dedication ceremony, former Congressional Representative Bo Calloway spoke about Swigert's brief political career. Thank you, Hal. Hal was nice enough to ask me to say a few words about Jack, particularly as it affected this building and the 98th Congress. Like so many of us, yes, I was a friend of Jack's. I was chairman of the Republican Party in Colorado when he was elected, worked closely with his campaign. I had known how much Jack had wanted to come to this Congress. He really believed in coming to this Congress. He had been the head of the committee, the Space Committee, the Technical Committee, for the bipartisan head of that committee here in Congress and understood this Congress and believed he could best serve his life by being a member of this Congress. He worked at that election extremely hard. When he found out he had cancer, he continued campaigning and campaigned well, absolutely sure as he could be that technology would cure his cancer. He believed technology could cure anything and he thought it would be cured. He campaigned vigorously while very weak. 
and won overwhelmingly. He died here in Washington one week before he was to be sworn in. And a great many people said, isn't it a shame that Jack never was a member of the 98th Congress? And that's not true. Jack was a member of the 98th Congress. When the roll was called for the members of the 98th Congress, Jack Swigert's name was called. He was a member of that Congress and will always be in the official roles forever, a member of the 98th Congress. Now he served it for a shorter time than anyone else. But I think he's having the last laugh because he will be here in this hall many, many years after all of the rest of Congressmen are gone. Ken Mattingly, the astronaut Jack Swigert replaced on Apollo 13, also spoke at the ceremony. I'd like to tell you a different side about Jack. Uh, Jack and I knew each other uh, quite well since we had lived in the same apartment building and endured. We showed up in town at the same time, had the same aspirations. And as, as Buzz had noted, one of Jack's virtues was his extreme dedication and attention to detail. These procedures that Buzz talked about were a work of art and dedication and loyalty. And that was a symbol of Jack. This, this morning, at the commencement of Space Day, Dan Golden got up and he talked about the future belonging to our children. That's the kind of thing that Jack would have done because above everything else, Jack had a passion for God, for country, and for his family. And that was expressed in everything he did. He just happened to express those in space. But Jack was a superb human being who was committed and dedicated and loyal and something that everybody could be proud of. Jack wanted to make a contribution and he did. Thank you. And lastly, fellow Apollo 13 crew member Fred Hayes spoke. Good morning. It's a, it's a real pleasure to join you as a part of this ceremony that's honoring one of Colorado's favorite sons, Jack Schweigert. Jack I uh, first encountered as a fellow member of the, uh, what we call the original 19 class of astronauts in 1966. And we went through a year of indoctrination that uh, kept us all uh, pretty close together, whether we be at home or in the field at factories or in geology trips. He really became obviously a, a closer, more personal friend through the perils that we faced on Apollo 13 and the public affairs saga that followed. One thing that Jack had was a great sense of humor, even though uh, I think he told the corniest jokes of anybody I've ever <laughs> known. But uh, that, that helped me a great deal uh, because initially after the fight, I was obviously uh, very disappointed at failing to land on the moon. Uh, Buzz, unfortunately, didn't get measles. But uh, he had, Jack really had the realistic view of, of just really being thankful and not selfish, being thankful that we made it back safely, and the uh, proper perspective of the mission really being a historic example of what miracles you can accomplish if you have a great team that's working all together. Jack, I think, would be uh, very proud, uh, maybe incredulous at this event today, uh, with all, for all this personal uh, recognition, and uh, becoming a representation in the U.S. Capitol 
of the state of Colorado and our great space program, both the past and the future. Thank you. Swigert also received other awards and honors, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom, NASA Distinguished Service Medal, the American Astronautical Society Flight Achievement Award, City of New York Gold Medal, City of Houston Medal for Valor, City of Chicago Gold Medal, University of Colorado's Boulder Distinguished Engineering Alumnus Award, and he was inducted into the International Space Hall of Fame, the Colorado Aviation Hall of Fame, and the U.S. Astronaut Hall of Fame. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 260 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Apollo 13, Command Module Pilot Jack Swigert. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. I want to give a big shout out to all my longtime listeners. Thanks for staying subscribed and extend a warm welcome to my new listeners. I'm glad you're here. Today, we salute the Mercury-level donors. There are 56 so far this year. Mercury donors contribute $20 or more during the calendar year. Thanks for your continued support, Mercury donors. Okay, I had several afterthoughts about this week's episode. First, I want to credit my sources, A Man on the Moon by Andrew Chaikin, The Apollo 13 Flight Journal, Lost Moon by Jim Lovell, C-SPAN, where I got most of the audio for this episode, the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, NASA Johnson Space Center, and Wiki. If you listen closely, you may have noticed that I put in a little info from last week. Now, the reason I did that was to make this a standalone episode, so if anyone comes along later and they just want to hear Mr. Swigert's biography, they can do that and just listen to this one episode. So that's why there was just a little bit of duplication there. Regarding the postage stamp incident that I mentioned, I have not thoroughly investigated it, but on the surface it looks like all Swigert did was not rat out his friends. He wasn't even on Apollo 15, but he was questioned. Now, I could be wrong about this, but it sure seems as though Getting bumped off the Apollo-Soyuz test flight was a pretty harsh punishment. But I could be wrong, so don't take that as gospel. It's funny how things work out that the astronaut, Swigert, who wrote the Apollo Command Module Malfunction Procedures, was transferred to the Apollo 13 flight. I think Swigert's skill set was very appropriate for this particular mission. And how about that Ken Mattingly? He didn't hold a grudge. He even came and spoke at Swigert's memorial statue ceremony. A very classy move. Of course, it worked out better for Mattingly anyway. Okay, I have posted some pictures in the audio for this episode on my homepage, spacerockethistory.com. 
My grandson asked to read the donors list for this particular episode, and I am happy to let him do it. Here he is, Luke. We were pleased to receive four donations to support the podcast over the past week. Michael P. from Rhode Island donated at the Orion level. Martin R. increased his pledge on Patreon and moved to the Soyuz level with his rocket emoji. Robert W. pledged on Patreon at the Mercury level. And Justin B. pledged on Patreon at the Vostok level. Thank you, Luke. That brings our Patreon total to 174, with a goal of reaching 218 for 2018. And our overall donors for 2018 have reached 284. For those of you who are enjoying the content provided here and have not donated yet in 2018, please consider supporting the podcast if you are financially able. Keep in mind, Space Rocket History is entirely listener-funded, and I depend upon your financial support to keep the podcast going. To support the podcast, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com. Click on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. All donors are rewarded with their name on the donors page at the level they choose to donate. For those of you who have already donated for 2018, I appreciate it. This week, we're giving away the new official SRH logo magnet. It is 3 inches in diameter, round, and will stick to most refrigerators. To select the winner... Mrs. R.H. gave every 2018 donor a number, then she put the range in the Google number generator and got the number for Dane Unicorn. Dane Unicorn, if you will email me, mike at spacerockethistory.com, and tell me your address, I will mail this out to you. Okay, folks, that's all I have for this week. Next week's episode could be delayed for a day or so because of the Independence Day holiday and my wedding anniversary. But I will do my best to get it out by next Thursday. So long for now.